0: now we are in this very serious subject of satan as an adversary it simply means he's an enemy one who stands in the way one who attacks and we have been examining this adversarial role not only under the name satan which means adversary but also other names also under other names which are given to him such as in revelation 9:11 where we have a bad on and Apollyon, synonymous terms, which uh, mean destroyer. So that's adversarial enough. En- one who wishes to destroy. We have examined uh, him under the name Beelzebub or Beelzebul, uh, as in Matthew twelve twenty four, And that too speaks of someone who's uh, like a beetle. Uh, it's an indication. A uh, picture of beetles swarming uh, over a dung hill, and uh, it's got the same meaning as his being king over such creatures as these beetles. So it's a picture of his ad- of his adversarial role of Satan being an adversary. And then we ended by looking at the term "wicked one" in Matthew thirteen nineteen and 38, which has in it the of malicious. Uh, Satan is malicious. He intends damage. When he entered Eden, he intended damage. That's obvious. Intended to take uh, Adam and Eve away from fellowship with their maker, with their creator. And he's still at the same business. He's as malicious as ever. And uh, then we examine him under the name murderer, and that's certainly as an adversary. In other words, uh, he is one who is an adversary even unto death. He desires death. He uh, brought upon Adam and Eve as they surrendered to his uh, strategy, and he still seeks to destroy to the death. And uh, that's really part of the history of the martyrs. Uh, he didn't want them in history. And God, in His plan, uh, had these martyrs killed for the faith as a testimony to the world. But He's still in the same business. Now we have other creatures. And this is where we were last Sabbath evening. Not only do we have what I've already mentioned. Uh, the term Satan, a bad honor, a Paulian, Beelzebub, or Beelzebul, the wicked one, the murderer. But we have noted that there are other creatures or other figures, uh, which are used to illustrate Satan as an adversary. We need to keep this in mind that there is a war going on and we're in it. We have examined the term scorpion or scorpions in Revelation 9. We have examined the term horses prepared for battle. And we have examined the term lions. All of these are dangerous creatures. Scorpion, horses prepared for battle. It has to be a Had to be a fearful sight to see that. And lions. Now, this evening we come to a term that uh, has been somewhat abused, but it's used by our fathers to describe Satan as an adversary. And it's in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12. Verse 3. Now remember John's being given this vision to picture to him the spiritual battle that's going on. He himself was very much involved in it because he was on the Isle of Patmos because of his testimony to the faith and to the Lord and for the name of Jesus. And so he says there appeared another wonder in heaven And behold, a great red dragon. The word is dragon. This is what he sees. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And then in verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. And then in verse 9. We have the dragon identified. And the great dragon was cast out. Who is the great dragon? The great dragon is that old serpent. That's how uh, Satan first appeared to our first parents. Speaking out of a serpent. Called the devil. Looked at that title. And Satan, which we're now looking at as adversary. Which deceiveth the whole world, and we'll be coming to that shortly about his deception, his method in that. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this is definitely the picture of an adversary. The dragon is the picture of an adversary. It's a Hebrew word. It's tannin. It means a type of wild beast which may be upon land or sea type of wild beast which may be upon land or sea. Uh, some have thought it refers to something like a jackal. Very fierce, ferocious, ugly animal. The serpent of course we've already had. Uh, some think it's a reference to some type of reptile. Uh, so the, the word dragon is a word that may indicate any of these Because in reality, there's no such thing as the mythical dragon. That's an invention of of men. And of course, the Chinese in particular put a great emphasis upon the dragon, the year of the dragon, and when they have their parades, they got these big long things in the parade that they call dragons. But that's all the invention of men. Uh, The word in scripture actually has this general meaning of something that's a wild beast, that may be upon the land. That may be upon the sea. Um, it's uh, something like it's mentioned in Genesis one twenty one. Here's the use of the word here. Genesis one twenty one. And God created great whales. Now there's an example of. Uh, a wild beast which is in the sea. A whale is a wild beast. You know, man has succeeded in, in uh, taming some of them, but sometimes even there they let loose, don't they? We've had some very serious accidents with with whales, haven't we? So that, that might represent what we're talking about. We're speaking about dragons. Not necessarily the whale, but maybe something like the whale in the sea. It's wild, it's powerful, it's deadly, even though it may appear to keep to itself. Uh, Yet uh, those that have uh, gone after whales find many times when they get one on the line, that's another matter. This is something you want to be in close contact with. That's for sure. You don't want to be looking down its throat. Or in um, Deuteronomy thirty two thirty three, this is also a, a picture of what may refer to the dragon. So, what is God wanting us to have here? Well, he's wanting us to have a picture of the power of the devil as an adversary. That's what he wants us to have. This isn't some small flea-like creature, some little thing you can put your foot on like a fly. This is a big, wild, deadly, powerful creature, this this so-called dragon. Deuteronomy 32-33. wine is the poison of dragons and the cruel venom of asps, which of course is another term for snake or serpent. To continue, we may look at Ezekiel 29.3 Ezekiel 29.3 Speak and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers, which is said, My river is mine own, and I have made it for myself. Here, uh, Pharaoh is likened to that dragon. The dragon would represent Pharaoh. If you know the history of Pharaoh in relationship to the Israelites and to the Jews, he was definitely an adversary. And he was a proud one. He said, uh, this Nile is mine own and I have made it for myself. I've taken it over for my own business. And dare anyone touch it. I'm in control of it. And when God sent Moses uh, to him, uh, even in Moses' time, you know how the Pharaoh reacted. And they've always been the same. And that's why God says in verse 2 to Ezekiel, Set thy face against Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Egypt represents the ungodly. And the power of the ungodly and the ferocity of the ungodly against God and his kingdom, against God and his people, against the godly. So the dragon uh, is pictured by this. In Jeremiah 51, 34... Jeremiah 51.34 God is good. I've often mentioned how the Lord seeks to make his message plain through everyday things and through history and through creatures and through plants and through birds. I mean, look at the Bible. It's just full of all of these pictures. So we'll be aware of what we're up against. When we're talking about uh, the devil and Satan. Jeremiah 51, 34. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, hath devoured me. He hath crushed me. He hath made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me up like a dragon. He filled his belly with my delicates. He's cast me out. That's Babylon so Nebuchadnezzar was likened to a dragon just like Pharaoh was these were dragon-like men these men were like wild beasts powerful, deadly and definitely adversaries and we've had many of them in history I'm sure Adolf Hitler would be a good representation of one I'm sure Stalin would be a good representation of one Sad to say, many times the world is deceived by its dragons and it lets the dragon lead them along to finally they end up with what we had in World War Two or whatever. Uh, the the guy that's back there in Babylon now is a good example of a dragon. In Iraq. And then in Revelation twelve seventeen. We do need to come to grips with this fact. I say this again that we are involved in the spiritual warfare. Our fathers recognized this. There doesn't seem to be that much recognition of this in the visible church today. But this is a very important matter because it's really what the history of the Bible is all about God versus the devil, God's people versus the devil's people, and then the final end to all of that the judgment and heaven in hell Or each go that's really what the whole message is so we need to realize that this is going on and we are part of this so in 1217 and the dragon was wroth with the woman now the woman represents first of all the Lord Jesus coming out of the woman and then what came from the ministry of Jesus his church it's a picture of Jesus and his church The devil was, the dragon, was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. And what are they like? Which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now that hasn't changed, any. As John was part of that in the first century, those of us who have been born again who are here tonight are part of that in the 20th century and what will soon be the 21st. That's it. Nothing's changed. God hasn't changed. devil hasn't changed. The war hasn't changed. That's amazing, isn't it? I don't know why we keep thinking things change. Things haven't changed. We are as much a part of history as anyone else has ever been in their time. God has just put us into his plan and our part in it. To use us according to his purpose in it. He's been doing that since time began. And he's going to do it till time ends. That's how we are. We're stuck with it. We're here. Either to his glory, to the praise of his glorious grace, or, or, to the praise of his glorious justice. Remember that. I say or loudly because, again, I mentioned this morning, the tilt always seems to be upon the first, towards the first. Whereas we must keep that, you know, that boat, try to keep it even. And that's very difficult, many times. Especially if you're on a small one. Very difficult. You ever tried to stand up in a rowboat? How many of you ever tried to stand up in a rowboat? Small boat. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? Well, that's how it is with our study of the Word. We have to try to do that. Because cults start by tilting. You can afford that. So this term dragon then is just as vivid a term as scorpion, that many of us are more aware of, as horses prepared for battle, which we're not really aware of in our time, but would be similar to the the tanks of our time in war, similar to lions looking for prey, as not only just described in Revelation, but also by Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8, and now the dragon. Now we come to the one with which we began. Genesis 12, 9. After the term dragon, we have the term serpent. He's not an old serpent in the sense that it's an old serpent. It simply means he's been around a long time. He's been around since he was created, actually. He fell somewhere along the line, he fell. Fell away from God, became his enemy. And then he wasn't eaten, and that's a long time ago. Now we must examine this term serpent because it's one of the creatures that is used which represents Satan. In fact, it's the creature he worked through and in. Not a scorpion, not a horse, not a lion, not a dragon, but a serpent. This we know about. And again, I remind you, this we must believe to show ourselves to be a believer. We must believe in an actual serpent we must believe in an actual snake we must not seek to have it merely as an allegory or an illustration it's very important sad to say there are some ministers that stand behind pulpits so-called ministers that want to spiritualize all of this and say it's just simply some kind of an illustration of the battle between good and evil No, no, this is a real fact. And we need to go back to Genesis 3 again. We need to get it into our minds that this is where the battle in time began. Battle in time, I said. It already was raging in eternity. But in time. Now the serpent. See, this is another creature. It indicates... Devil, Satan as an adversary, more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said unto the woman, yea hath God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, there's our term. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And the serpent, there's our term. Said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And then we have the result, and the result was false. And uh, we looked at uh, part of that this morning. And you notice, for example, in verse um, 13, the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent begat me." There's our term again, and 8. And then 14, the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this. So we had the term used again and again and again. Again, I remind you, it was a real serpent, it was a real snake devil was inhabiting this creature for that purpose. Again, I remind you, I hope you believe that. For the minister who does not is a false prophet. That simple. Now, it's interesting that uh, in Second Corinthians 11, 3, we have a little summary of this. 2 Corinthians 11.3 It's interesting how God many times summarizes a a history in in one little statement. Paul said this as he thought of the visible church in Corinth. But I fear lest by any means as this serpent beguiled Eve, see he believed in it, He believed in the serpent and he believed in Eve. Through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. In other words, you might uh, listen to it. You might let him in. Night by it. In the East, historically and to this day, a serpent is an emblem of evil, disobedience, and rebellion. That's how it's been, that's how it is. There are serpents that are Poisonous. If you've ever studied snakes, you'll know that. And there are a number of references to this, and this is all part of the devil's being an adversary. Psalm 140, verse 3. Psalm 140, verse 3. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Sela, think about that, is what that's saying. Sela means stop and think, it means pause a while, meditate. Every time you see that word, think about that. Poison. Proverbs 23:32. The last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Job twenty verse fourteen. Job twenty verse fourteen. his meal in his bowels is turned, it is the gall of asps within him, and gall is another word for poison. Ecclesiastes 10, 8, and 11. Ecclesiastes 10, 8, and 11. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh in hedge, the serpent shall bite him. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment, and the babbler is no better. Numbers 21.6 These are all references in the Bible to the serpent. Numbers twenty one six. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died, died of the poison put into their bodies by the serpents. And we could go on multiplying examples of this. Serpent is poisonous. Satan as an adversary seeks to poison. Also, a serpent has a way of concealing itself. Ecclesiastes 10:8 We've already looked at that verse but didn't point this out at that point. But it does indicate the serpent's concealing itself. Ecclesiastes 10.8 Whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. That simply means that there may be a hedge and then someone goes into it in one way or another and lo and behold There's a serpent in there. Just ready to get him. Amos 5.19 speaks of the same thing. Amos 5.19 As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Reference to a stone wall, a wall made of stones, piled together, one upon old walls were made like that, stone upon stone, stone upon stone. This person puts his hand in the wall, and lo and behold, a snir- a snake comes out. It's in there. How many of you have ever been surprised by a snake? Well, you're all experienced people, so you know what I'm talking about. This is a picture of The adversarial role of Satan. Proverbs thirty nineteen. Proverbs thirty nineteen. Writer Solomon which says there be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, for which I know not, verse eighteen. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock. The serpent concealed in a rock formation, and how it can suddenly appear or disappear. And then we have cunning. Not only is a serpent poisonous, a creature that may conceal itself, but it's also cunning. That's why Jesus used it in Matthew 10, 16. And the word he used here is a reference to this kind of, of wisdom. It's interesting he uses this as an illustration of How his disciples ought to be. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And that word in a bad connotation has in it the term cunning, the meaning cunning. I believe it's the North Carolina Navy flag that has a rattlesnake on it. I don't know if you know it or not, but I believe a rattlesnake has no eyelids. So it's... It's watching all the time. And we all blink. And what's the slogan on that flag? What's the famous slogan? That's correct. don't tread on me. And that's why? Because that snake represents what will happen. If you tread on. It. So this is a very graphic term we have in Revelation 12:9. just as graphic as scorpion. Horses prepared for battle. Lions. Dragon. Now he comes a serpent. The devil is like a serpent. As an adversary, he desires to poison. Doesn't really matter how he does it. Since the late 19th century, 1880s, before that, 1881 in particular, he sought to poison this. He used two men primarily to do that, two men, one called Westcott, the other called Hort, who sat on a committee to revise this. They dominated that committee. Many followed their suggestions, and so we ended up with what is called a revised version. What a fantastic. Yeah. Going to revise what God has preserved from eternity. Whose word is forever settled in heaven. These two are going to revise it. They have the results of that in what we call the NIV today, as an example of a result of that, plus many other perversions, poison. Basic. Serpent knew where to go. Get down to the root. Get down to the fountain. Poison the fountain. You poison all. That's why we need to pray as I do all the time. Pray together. I hope you pray with me. If you don't sleep when I'm praying, I pray for the seminaries. So it has to begin, as you know here we've had that experience, haven't we? We saw a young man come here, quite gifted, in fact very gifted intellectually, well educated, come from Ivy League school back east, hopefully he's going to be one of our ministers one day, goes to Westminster West, it's poisoned not physically spiritually this young man was nurtured by me taught by me, helped by me encouraged by me time and time and time again I planned to meet with him actually because he was a student and had some need I had a car full of clothes for him with me hung up in the car jackets, other things shirts he needed and might use sat down at our table in the restaurant where I was meeting with him my car's outside with all these clothes for him and all the encouragement I was intending to give him. this uh, pastor I'm sorry I have to leave you it's like that talk about getting the wind taken out of your sails So, really? some shock. What's the problem? Just can't go along with you in the text. Learned otherwise out at Westminster West. Now, I believe in the eclectic text. Eclectic means technically mixed. But what it really means is poisoned. That's the end of that man with us. Remember?
1: Some of you are here, you
0: remember. That young man might have been one of our ministers today. We've attempted again and again and again. Seen these men come and then go. Be here. Some of them even converted here. Go here for years. Finally go to a seminary. Sad. Poisoned but we should expect it because we're dealing with one who is serpent-like concealed cunning so we need to watch and we need to watch ourselves because he's interested in us too as I've said we're all in the arena and Satan is watching us in the arena just as much as God is he's watching what we think, what we say, what we do. And we're either going to be used of him or we're not. Shall we pray? Lord, we pray that the word may again have instructed us. No wonder Luther spoke of the deadly foe who sought to work him woe, who said, his craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Small wonder he looked to you and called you a mighty fortress, is our God. The Lord, many of us here profess to know more than Luther knew. He profess to have had more truth part to us than Luther had. And yet many of us are not as aware of Satan as Luther was. Many in the visible church in our time are not as aware of Satan as Luther was. But he knew. He knew what he was like. He knew he was an adversary. He knew he was against his work. He knew he was against reform. He knew he was against the introduction of the scriptures into the language of the German people, that they might understand it for themselves. Escape from the spiritual darkness of Rome. He knew that much. He knew about the dragon. He knew about the serpent. So, Lord, we pray that we might know too. We pray that you would protect us from him. That you would work in us to that end. That we might protect ourselves from him. May your Holy Spirit work in us as he worked in the apostles of old. May he give us direction and understanding through the word so that we might continue to resist the devil. We have your promise that when we do he will flee from us. What a wonderful promise of victory. So we thank you again for this study of the word. In Jesus' name. Stop